Well, good morning. morning. Welcome to Shepherd's Gate. My name is Johnny. I'll be one of the pastors here. And welcome if you're joining us on our uh, live stream. And just as Trisha said, we hope you get to join us live and in person next week because, hey, there's some really cool people here we love you to get to meet. And there's coffee and cookies, and it's always much better to get to hang out afterwards uh, and get to meet some of them uh, in person as well. And we'd love to get to meet you as well. Uh, So, uh, like, I would like to get to meet you as well is what I meant by that. And so today we are wrapping up our series. As you heard next week, we're kicking off our Christmas series because it's after Thanksgiving. So we get to talk about Christmas now. It's allowed. Some of you, you start way too early just because there's snow. We had that early snow and all of a sudden Christmas decorating. That was way too early. No, not allowed. Now it's allowed. So we're kicking off Christmas next week, but today we are wrapping up our series forward together uh, where we are looking at this vision that God has laid on the heart of our church and looking at what does it mean when the rubber hits the road, what does it actually look like to put this into practice, not only in the life of the church, but in our personal lives, to actually live this out. And we're looking at the last piece of the vision where it looks like to live generously with everything that we have. And as Pastor Jim kind of unpacked this last month, A lot of this kind of looked like living generously with what we have as far as our finances, especially when it looked at the church. And so we heard a lot of the fact that the church was going to be very generous with our finances. So right now, what it looks like is that everything that comes into the church as far as finances, 13% of that goes back outside of these walls. And so we have a Mission 13 team that actually gets together and figures out how to give 13% of our finances back outside of the church. And part of the vision is, is that's going to actually increase to 14% next year, and then eventually 15% and 16%. And by 2025, the vision is it's going to be become mission 20, where 20% is going to go back outside of these walls. But when it looks like becoming practical with that for us as individuals and being a part of this church is that it's not just about living generously with what we have, but it's going the next step and even more so with who we are. And so part of that vision is not just about living generously with what we have as far as our finances and resources. Yes, that's that. Because in order for us to be generous outside of these walls, guess what? We have to be generous as individuals. But it's making that next step and going, it's also about being generous with who we are. And so as we look at that today, as we consider that today, um, I really want us to own that. I want us to be real about that and and to really kind of dive in and go, man, what does that look like for us? And I'm also going to be real with you today and say, uh, as a church, we've been through a lot in the last week or a couple of weeks. I mean, as your pastor, I've been through a lot in the last couple of weeks. Uh, I'm tired. I'm tired. I'm a little burnt out. There have been a lot that's happened here. And so, as I considered the fact that this is a holiday weekend, we've had a lot that's happened in the last week or so. Um, we have our kids in the service today. Kids? Any kids today? Some of you are paying attention. Yay! Rick, you are not a kid. Your wife just keeps telling you, stop acting like a kid, right? Yes, your wife's nodding, yes, yes, no. Um, I was just considering, I said, as I think about this idea and how do we teach this today, how do we, honestly, how do we take a breather? And I know, you know, I know there's some that get up here and preach and make you cry. That's never me, right? I never make you cry. (laughs) Okay, maybe sometimes. Uh, That's not my goal today, but I thought about How could, you know, maybe there's somebody that could help me maybe liven this up and make it fun today. I don't know who that might be that could kind of help me out with that. (laughs) Trisha said, John, why don't I help you out with that? And so can we all welcome Trisha up here with me? Thank you. You're welcome. (laughs) 
So Trisha's going to help out because, hey, she's our family director. She works with kids every single week. And our incredible, 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 incredible volunteers who work with your kids and especially my kids every single week. Especially his kids. That's a lot. Let me tell you what. Uh, They put up with my kids every single week uh, and taking care of them. So I thought, man, you'd be the perfect person to come up here and help out, kind of liven this up and help us to not only own this, but just enjoy this this week. Uh, So Trisha, thank you for being here and up here with me today. Absolutely. It's the perfect week to talk about this because I love it when our whole church family gets to be together in one space. Whether we're in here or it's Easter and we're all in the gymnasium together, I love when we all get together as a big family and get to worship together. There's no separate SG kids today. I know some of you maybe missed that memo this morning and we're a little confused. Don't worry, they're all in here now and we're super excited they're in here because you get to experience what my amazing, incredible team gets to endure. I mean, enjoy every Sunday with your beloved children. It's enjoy. It's enjoy. I love them so much. They're so fun. But like John said, we're talking today about what does it mean to live generously. And so when you think about that phrase, what do you think about? Do you think I have nothing to give? Or do you think that I have everything to give? When you hear live generously, which of those do you think about? Like you said, we're not talking about finances today. We're talking about you and who you are, about who God has gifted you to be. Do you feel like you have nothing to give or like you have everything to give? Do you maybe feel like on the day that God handed out all those gifts that people were gonna use during their lifetimes, you were like on vacation or you missed the memo and you didn't get to that meeting? Sometimes I do. I feel like God like used the wrong salt and pepper shakers when he made me a little bit because he gave me a whole lot of love for animals and not a lot of ability to sing on pitch. So my poor husband knows that if there especially is a sick animal, or a homeless animal, that it is gonna be a fight between us of whether or not it's coming home to our house. You should pray for Robert. Because I love them all. Pray for her husband, Robert. I've met her pets. (laughs) They're all special. I have special pets. They are special. special. I'm still wearing on chickens. Soon it's gonna be, I'm gonna have a chicken sanctuary. I don't think I've told you that yet. No. Yeah. Did you know there are homeless chickens? Welcome to 10 o'clock. I want chickens. But at the same time, I have a three year old daughter who is constantly telling me, Mommy, please stop singing, it hurts my ears. There's nothing like that to build self-confidence, is there, right? Maybe you feel like that. And especially those of you who are my kids or my students who are out here, do you ever feel like, well, maybe when you're an adult, you'll have those really cool gifts you can use in church, like being able to lead worship or being an engineer that can help make things or being able to help counsel people and help people through really difficult situations. Maybe you feel like you have nothing to give. Well, today we're gonna talk about how everyone has something to give. And when John asked me to help him be a part of this this morning, he said, Trisha, let's do something a little different. Let's do something fun. Like maybe you could use a prop. And like every great family director who is incredibly practical and budget-minded, I immediately said, here's what we're gonna do, John. We're gonna do like SG's favorite things. It's gonna be like Oprah's favorite things. Like you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. And John said, no. Because, you know, it wasn't coming out of the kids' budget, so I thought, you know, we could try, right? Mike, it was not going to happen. Don't worry. Our business manager's up there. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, our, business, our business guy's over here sweating right now, like, who let Trisha up there? <laughs> so we're going to try something a little unorthodox today. No one's going home with a car. But we're going to hope and pray that it's a little bit like Thanksgiving, where you hope it turns out awesome, and you pray that it's not like a little dried-up turkey carcass, and you're all calling for pizza later. 
So I need you to pray with me that this goes really, really well. And what I need is a few volunteers that are gonna help me for a few minutes. And so what you're gonna do is come with me and we're gonna step out just for a couple of minutes and then we're gonna come back in and you're gonna come up here. All you have to do is be able to come and stand up here, move around a little bit and make a noise. Like you don't even have to really talk. It's not scary. I just need a few volunteers. And I'll tell you, no pressure, 8.30 like knocked it out of the park. So come on, you guys are the 10 o'clock service. I have big, big expectations. So who's going to help me today? Who wants to volunteer? I got to have, it's got to be more than just my kids though, parents. This yeah, is, I know all my help. kids want to help, which is oh, awesome. Oh, there we go. We got, but I need a little more than that. All right, so let's go this in the middle. Is that Gabe back there? Yeah, Gabe, come on right there. Number three. Dave, do you want to come up? All right, why don't you come up? Will, let's take those five. All right. Come on over here. Let's cheer them on. Thank you, team. Thank you. Here to help make this an interesting morning. Thanks, team. And while they're out there helping to prepare a wonderful Broadway show experience for you, <laughs> what we're going to do is we're going to dive in to our text for today to help kind of set this up. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at a letter written by Paul to the church in Corinth because they were kind of dealing with some of this idea of struggling with, do I have anything to give or nothing to give? And what we're going to do is we're actually going to look at a translation of this. Uh, it's called The Message. And here's why I'm choosing this today. It's, uh, it's a little more straightforward for me uh, than our translation that is in the Bibles in front of you. You're welcome to kind of pull that out if you want to read that one. Or kids, if you like this, if you want to get to use your parents' phone today, <laughs> uh, the Bible app that's, uh, that we often talk about, the Bible app, or if you're joining us on live stream, if you click on the Bible icon, uh, the Bible platform that's on there, you can actually choose different Bible translations. And here's the thing, if you're ever reading in your, uh, on uh, the electronic version of the Bible and you're like, man, I just don't quite understand what this means. Here's the thing, sometimes we're, we're very strict and like, hey, we, we gotta read this version of the Bible. And yes, some versions, some translations are more accurate than others. But here's, as your pastor, here's what I would say to you. If you're ever at a place where you're gonna either read the Bible or not read the Bible because you just don't understand it, I would rather you read a version of the Bible than not read it all. And so if you can go to the tab that offers different translations, go to the message one right now and you can click down to the message and you can read along with us the version that we're gonna read today. Uh, and so you can scroll down, it's called the message, so it's under M actually, instead of not T, but M for message. And this one's just a little more straightforward today. It's going to be a little easier to understand for some of our kids that are with us today for the most part. And so if you're ever kind of stuck on a translation or you're just not sure what some of the words are, man, try some of the different other translations out. And maybe it'll, it'll help you understand what some of the words mean uh, in the text that you're reading. Try it out. See what happens. It might help you to understand. If you're ever kind of confused, hey, you have some pastors here. We're here for you. Never hesitate to set up an appointment with us. Uh, we would love to kind of walk with you through that and to help you find the right Bible for you. So today we're going to start with 1 Corinthians right at the very beginning, because I love what Paul does here right at the very beginning. He says, what I want to talk about now is the various ways God's Spirit gets worked into our lives. So what he's talking about here is this isn't just about you getting to work. This is actually how God's Spirit works in your lives. He says, this is complex and often misunderstood, but I want you to be informed and knowledgeable. So he starts this whole letter with this. Hey, I want you to understand this. Why? Because this is complex and often misunderstood. So that's how I would kind of wrap up this first part here. This is complex and often misunderstood. And this is important because we need to get this right. 
for your health, our church's strength, and for the good of our world. Why? Because if we don't start to understand how important it is that we know our gifts and our strengths and who God made us to be, you're going to get frustrated. You're going to really frustrate because you're going to constantly think that, well, no, I need to be like them, and I need to have their gifts, or my gifts aren't good enough, and so you're going to constantly be disowning your gifts or discrediting your gifts and trying to go after somebody else's gifts. And we see this. It's played out in the world over and over again. Actually, research has shown that this is true. One of the books and one of the assessments we give when somebody even applies for a position here or is hired for a position here is something called the strengths-based research or strengths-based leadership. And what it shows is, the research shows, is when you allow somebody to work towards their strengths, productivity and success skyrockets. And instead of trying to always trying to help people work to their weaknesses or, or trying to build on their weaknesses, instead, if you just help them work to their strengths and then hire other people to their strengths, to their like, and help them just work to their strengths, and so you just hire strength after strength after strength after strength, instead of helping other people just work to their weaknesses, everybody is more successful. And what I love is Paul actually said this way back then. He says it's complex and often misunderstood because everybody thinks that I need to be good at everything, and that's not true. And what we're going to see is, is in these next verses, he's going to talk about this, is not everybody does everything great. And so our church needs you to do what you do best, and the world needs you to do what you do best. And we're going to see this written and played out through what Paul writes to the church in Corinth over and over again. We need you. The world needs you. Otherwise, you're going to be stressed out. You're going to be burnt out. And so for your health, for our church's strength, and for the good of our world, we need to get this right. And so when we look at the next set of verses in verses 4 through 11, it says this, God's various gifts are handed out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various ministries are carried out everywhere, but they all originate in God's Spirit. God's various expressions of power are in action everywhere, but God himself is behind it all. Each person is given something to do that shows who God is. Everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. All kinds of things are handed out by the Spirit of God and to all kinds of people. The variety is wonderful, wise counsel, clear understanding, simple trust, healing the sick, miraculous acts, proclamation, distinguishing between spirits, tongues, interpretation of tongues. All these gifts have a common origin, but are handed out one by one by the one Spirit of God. He decides who gets what and when. And what I love about this, I, I would simplify this pretty simply that everyone gets in on it. Everyone benefits. So when you think about this text, what I would say is our gifts are gifts given to benefit everyone. And so when we think about this idea that our church is being driven to the idea to live generously with everything that we have, with everything that we are, we have to see it as it's not just even within these walls that we need your gifts to be lived out, to be used for the sake of the people around you. But our gifts are gifts for the benefit of everyone. The entire world needs your gifts. So I was thinking about this part of the text. Honestly, it made me think about my son, Lucas. 
My son Lucas um, just started kindergarten this year. And so I wasn't quite sure how he was going to be doing this. Well, it was his first year in like real school. And just recently I had his first parent-teacher conferences. And honestly, I was a little scared. I was a little scared because every day I pick up Lucas and, and, or I talk to him about school and I ask him about school and this is our conversation. Lucas, how was school? I don't know. Great. Lucas, what'd you do today? Nothing. What'd you learn about? Nothing. What was your favorite part about today? Recess. What did Mrs. Land teach you about today? Nothing. I'm going to go talk to Mrs. Land about that because then it's not like she's doing her job. You should. <laughs> this is wonderful. Doesn't sound like you're learning a whole lot about that. I, I don't think he really cares about school. So this parent-teacher conference is going to be great. I'm really excited, looking forward to it. I'm terrified because I don't think he really cares about school much. I don't know what to believe. So I go and I'm getting ready for my whole 15-minute parent-teacher conference to Mrs. Land, wondering what's about to happen. And I sit down and, and she says, yeah, I don't know how much Lucas cares about school. <laughs> Check. <laughs> Got that one right. She said, but he's smart. He gets it. So... That's good. He gets it. She said, but you know, honestly, honestly, I would take a, a million Lucases. She said, because without any prompting, Lucas, um, she said, there's another kid in our class. His name's David. David has a lot of special needs. And David um, not only has a lot of special needs, but he comes from a home that English isn't their first language. And so David can't really take care of himself well and um, doesn't speak and doesn't really understand English and um, Lucas, without any prompting from anybody, took it upon himself to make sure that David was always taken care of. And so at six, Lucas made sure that David always had a friend with him, always had somebody to play with, always had his hot lunch ready, was always, always taken care of. Lucas used his gifts for the benefit of David. Oh, and, and the reality is David doesn't speak and doesn't know English, except David knows how to say Lucas. Yeah. And so when we, we think about this idea of our gifts or gifts for the benefit of everyone, I think about my son Lucas, who people would say, and even at first service, they're like, oh, he learned that from somewhere. Honestly, my kid, my kid is just a lover. That's who he is. If you were here for our Thanksgiving Eve service, he sat in the third row and he hugged on Mr. Paul the entire service. That's one of his leaders for SG Kids. That's just who he is. He's just a lover. That's just instilled in him. That's the gift that God has given him. That's who I think God has made him to be. And while, yeah, I encourage that and I encourage that in him, that's just who God has made him to be. And it's so cool to see how he continues to live that out not just here, but even at school. And so what I encourage you is, what are the gifts that God's given you? And how can that gift be a gift to benefit everyone? And what's cool that Paul does is he continues to kind of then paint this picture for us, give us this analogy of a body, right? He, he paints it really easy for us. And so the next verses he does this, 
kind of word story for us in verse 12. He said, you can easily see enough how this kind of thing works by looking no further than your own body. Your body is, has many parts, limbs, organs, cells, but no matter how many parts you can name, you're still one body. It's exactly the same with Christ. By no means, or by means of his one spirit, we all said goodbye to our partial and piecemeal lives. We each used to be independently, we used to each independently call our own shots, but then we entered into a large and integrated life in which he has the final say in everything. This is what we proclaimed in word and action when we were baptized. Each of us is now a part of his resurrection body, refreshed and sustained at one fountain, his spirit, where we all come to drink. The old labels we once used to identify ourselves, labels like Jew or Greek, slave or free, are no longer useful. We need something larger, more comprehensive. I want you to think about how all this makes you more significant, not less. A body isn't just a single part blown up into something huge. It's all different, but similar parts arranged in functioning together. If foot said, I'm not elegant like hand, embellished with rings, I guess I don't belong to the body, would that make it so? If ear said, I'm not beautiful like eye, limpid and expressive, I don't deserve a place on the head, would you want, it, want to remove it from the body? If the body was all eye, how could it hear? If all ear, how could it smell? As it is, we see that God has carefully placed each part of the body right where he wanted it. So in this part of the text, what we see very carefully is a body is all the different but similar parts arranged and functioning together. And that's what we want to see here in the church. That's what Jesus has called us to be, the body. He's the head and calling the shots, right? He gets to be in charge. Frankly, I think that's, that's what's best. He knows but then he's placed us right where he's designed us to be. Just as the ear is placed where it needs to be to hear, the nose has been placed where it needs to smell, the eyes have been placed where it needs to see, you've been placed in the body where you need to be to function and to provide to the body what it needs. And so what I love now is what Tricia has worked with this incredible team of actors and actresses is to help us to see just that. It's in this incredible Broadway level production, right? Slightly off Broadway. So let's welcome them back up. Only a little bit off Broadway. That's the under there. So what Paul talks about next is how each of us is important within the body, but we're only important because we interact with the other parts of who the body is. The important thing is that we interact together, and so that's what we're about to show you in the very, very off-Broadway production of The Littlest Part. Are you ready for this? I don't know. We have practiced many hours. There's been a lot of blood, sweat, and tears put into this. Gabe was back there crying. He wasn't sure if he could do it. I don't know. We'll see. This is The Littlest Part. Oh, well, I am an inventor of machines, and I love being an inventor because I get to make really cool stuff. So today, I'm going to make a really cool machine that does really amazing things out of just some leftover parts I have around in my workshop here. So let's see. Let's start with this part. This looks like a good on-off switch. Let's see what it can do by itself. Ready? On and off. Boop. And off. Oh, let's try it again. Boop. Woo. That's a pretty good on-off switch. 
but it kind of is missing a little bit. I need something more. Let's see what other parts I have around back here. How about this part? Let's see what this part can do. What can you do, little part? That's a pretty loud and big part. Let's see what it does with my machine all together. Okay, let's see. We connect you two on. Hmm. I think we're missing a little something. It's pretty whooshy. That's pretty cool. How about, well, let's try this one. Let's see what this thing does. What do you do, part? Whoa, I don't usually like that noise, but I think I like it in my machine. Let's see what it can do over here. All right, here we go. Ready? On. Oh. Hmm. Something got a little stuck there. Looks like I need some more parts. How about this one? Let's see what this part can do. It's a pretty sparkly part. I like it. Let's see what it can do. I love this part. It's so fun. All right, let's put it here in the machine and see what happens in our machine. Here we go. Oh, dear. Well, I have the whoosh. I have the on-off. I have a siren. I even have the can-can. What are we missing? Do I have any more parts? I've got to have something around here. Oh, well, here's the littlest part in my whole workshop. It's very small. Let's see what it can do. What do you do, part? Boop. 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 Oh. Well, that's not very exciting, littlest part. We've got a whoosh and a siren and the can-can and a boop. This littlest part, I don't know. Let's just stick it here and see what happens. All right, let's try again. Here we go. And on. Off. What an amazing machine. It's so loud and awesome. I love my awesome machine. But it has gotten really late, so I'm going to go take a rest. And tomorrow, I'm going to introduce my machine to the world. Oh, what a great day. Well, I just, just don't know about this little part. I know. Part. I know. Pathetic. Pathetic. Well, yeah, he's like, just not yeah, contributing like, very much. Like, like, I think you need to go. Yeah. You need to go. was a good night's rest. Felt like just a couple seconds, but I'm pretty sure I got my 10 seconds. I'm so excited. It's going to be a great day to show the world my amazing whooshing can-can siren booping machine. Here we go. Let's practice one more time before I show it to the world. Ready? <gasps> what? Okay. I, let me just check some connections here. All right. Let's try again. Here we go. Ready? What? I have the on-off switch. You're working correctly. The whooshing looks right. The siren, everything's right. It's connected to the can-can, still sparkling. Wait a minute. Where'd that little part go? What? Little part, what are you doing over here? Come here, littlest part. You go back to your spot. I don't know what happened to it. All right, let's try again. Here we go. Ready? We're going to change the world machine. Can you guys give him a big round of applause? You guys can go back to your seats. Thank you. They're on still. Just a little off Broadway. Just a little. I think it could go on Broadway. What do you think? 
No, Next okay. time, we're charging tickets. <laughs> so what about you guys? Have you ever felt like the littlest part? Have you ever felt like what you have to give doesn't really seem that big? Like it's not enough? Have you ever felt like just because you weren't the big siren, you weren't the one doing the big movements, your part didn't matter as much? Well, here's what Paul says about it. He says in 1 Corinthians, but I also want you to think about how this keeps your significance from getting blown up into self-importance. For no matter how significant you are, it is only because of what you are a part of. An enormous eye or a gigantic hand wouldn't be a body, but a monster. What we have is one body with many parts, each its proper size and in the proper place. No part is important on its own. Can you imagine I telling hand, get lost, I don't need you. Or hand telling foot, you're fired. Your job has been phased out. Yikes. God has gifted each of his children and he's gifted each of us differently. So it doesn't matter who you are, you have been gifted. But for some of us, we feel like the littlest part. Like our part doesn't matter as much. Or maybe sometimes we're the one that's out front. We have some of those bigger, more obvious gifts. And we don't even realize that we're making the littlest part feel like it's insignificant and like it doesn't matter. But that's not how the church was designed to be. We're designed to be the body of Christ where every part is important. No matter if you're the littlest part or you're the can-can part. Every one of us is important. That's because you are significant because you are part of something bigger. The littlest part wasn't significant on his own. Neither was the whoosher. They have to be together as something bigger to be significant. So what about you? What do you have to give? Well, I have a three-year-old and a 15-year-old. And those are some people that sometimes you might say have not a lot to give. A lot of the time we talk about our kids like they're the church of tomorrow. We just have to deal with them right now. And then someday they're going to be the leaders of the church. But that's not what I think. I think they have everything to give. My three-year-old and my 15-year-old are learning how to be a part of the body of Christ. But just in case you haven't been around toddlers and teenagers lately, let me give you a little refresher. They are not the world's most reliable or selfless creatures. They also do not have a huge amount of financial resources to give towards Shepherd's Gate's mission. They can't get anywhere unless I drive them. <laughs> they seem like they have nothing to give. But my 15-year-old son, when we first moved here, he started helping in our third and fourth grade classroom on Sunday mornings. And he, if you don't know him, he is super shy. He's gigantically tall. He's 15, he's about six foot two, about this big around with bright red hair. And he is super shy. And so his first year in that classroom, he didn't really know what to do. He was super nervous. You can see him here in the back, sitting against the wall during our large group time. But now, just last week, I had to have a talk with him because I heard a little rumor that he was playing tag with the kids while holding a chair attached to his booty so they wouldn't steal it from him. I think he's come out of his shell a little. But not just that he's the fun, big 15-year-old, he also is learning how to point them toward Jesus during small group time. 
He knows their names and he knows their stories and he knows what they have to do in math class this week. And he's helping point them toward Jesus. And this last summer, he was trying out in the fall for football for the first time. And he was really nervous because he didn't have a lot of skills. But he chose to go on a mission trip to Minnesota with our youth group instead of going to football camp so he could serve. He doesn't have a job yet, but he's about to start applying for them. Thank you, Jesus. The kid needs a car and he's going to buy it. But he knows that when he does, the first 10% goes to his local church, to Shepherd's Gate, because that's what the Bible says. He's learning what it means to be a body, part of the body of Christ. My other one's a three-year-old. And if you want to know who the greatest consumers of ministry in this church are, it's probably three-year-olds. She comes every Sunday, and at 10 o'clock, she has Miss Reggie and Elizabeth Parks, who spend the whole hour pouring into her. Poor Elizabeth takes that child to the bathroom probably four times during the 10 o'clock service. We all love potty training. Not only that, she has Miss, uh, Miss Reggie and Elizabeth, but then she gets to go to our large group time for preschool, where Georgia Solak brings to life our golden retriever puppet, whose name is Theo, and teaches her about who Jesus is. Then she has Michelle Kuzera and Molly Gittler who sing songs with her and teach her what it means to worship Jesus and to love him. And then after church, this whole team of refreshment hosts puts out cookies and chocolate milk for her. They're all for her. Just ask her. She my, was shocked on Thanksgiving we didn't have any. My kids would disagree. I don't know. Callie asked me on Thanksgiving Eve, she said, where are my people with the food? And I said, baby, it's Thanksgiving Eve but I need my chopped milk. <laughs> Those people are here to serve her. Just ask her. And then after church, she has Emma Bussey and Mark and Mackenzie Veach who love on her when her mama is busy and can't keep my eyeballs on her all the time. She is a consumer of ministry hours. She has nothing to give, right? Well, you might think differently if you sit behind the Mayhews at church one day because her little toddler antics during church might make your heart smile. Or if you walk down our kids' hallway at about 10, 20, and you hear her and 30 of her best friends singing their hearts out to Jesus, you might remember what it is to have a childlike faith. Or if you'd been with us on Halloween when we took her in her Elsa costume to an Alzheimer's care facility for her to do puzzles and eat snacks with some of her special friends, you might feel differently. My three-year-old's learning what it means to be a part of the body of Christ and to share the gifts that she has. She has everything to give. But how often do people like you and me, who look like we are so much more important, we have so much more to give than the three-year-olds, how often do we discount people like my kids and what they have to give? How often do we, through our words or our actions or our attitudes, tell them that they're not needed? And it's not just kids, is it? Maybe you're an adult who struggles with a chronic illness. Maybe you are in the middle of a family crisis, or you're a single mom who every minute of your day seems accounted for. You're on a fixed income and it seems like there's no room for anything. Maybe you're deep in the battle of depression. You know what, you are gifted and you are needed. You are part of the body of Christ and it will not work properly without you. The body of Christ needs preachers, it needs puppeteers, it needs refreshment hosts, it needs counselors, and it needs Elsa's at Alzheimer care units. We need everything in between, and that includes you and the gifts that God has given you. But we don't just need you to use them once a year at Christmas or during McRest. We need you to live generously with them. That's why God gave them to you. 
so that you can use them all the time together with the body so that it can work properly. Because you're significant because you're a part of something bigger. On our own, each of us has nothing to give. But together as a whole, we have everything to give because we're a part of what God has created in us because of what he has done for us. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, we thank you that you have loved each of us enough to gift us individually. God, sometimes those gifts don't seem to always make sense, but we know that you had a plan. God, help us to recognize those gifts in ourselves and to use them generously. Help us to also see them in the people around us, Lord. Help us to make sure that our friends, our families are using our gifts for you. Not for our glory, Lord, but for yours. Help us to see how important we are in your story. God, be with each of us and help us to live generously with all that we have. It's in your name that we pray. Amen.